thank you. Um, I'm really grateful for being able to have offered um, this dedication this morning and to chant the Imajuku Kanonyo. Um, I'm an old Zen dog in the in the doghouse of Zen since uh, 1971, so it's very meaningful to go home to my strong root tradition and um, hold the bell. This is a, this bell is a gift from from Thich Nhat Hanh years ago. This little soprano bell and to let it roll and ring and to breathe through to really feel the presence of the ancestors around us this morning. You know, together we create and generate an unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect dharma. It's rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. But we have it to see and listen to, to remember and accept. And then now in this harvest season, to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words, to taste the truth of right sorrow, to taste the truth of what it means to be alive in these times. I'm thinking of a poem, actually a prayer, a homage, homage to sorrow, Robert Bly called it. And kind of, it rose up for me this morning um, in, during the breathing through exercises. What is, what is sorrow for? It's a storehouse where we store wheat, barley, corn, and tears. Step up to the door on a round stone, and the storehouse feeds all the birds of sorrow. So I say to myself, will you have sorrow at last? Go on. Be cheerful in autumn. Be stoic. Yes. Be tranquil and calm. And in the valley of sorrow, spread your wings. I remember when Robert Bly first offered us this decades ago in the big Buddha Hall at San Francisco Zen Center. Um, it was February. And uh, he said that in, in old times, beings understood the necessity of going down into sorrow, to be renewed, to be more alive, to go, not to disappear from joy, joyousness, but to breathe through sorrow in the world. And that you couldn't be a full and functional and human being with being willing to step up to the storehouse on the round stone and thresh out uh, the seeds of sorrow and to, ta to taste the truth of sorrow ripening in you. So he offered us this poem, and then afterwards he said, do you want to take a break now? And the entire membership in the Buddha Hall just shook their heads knowing it. it we'd been together for a good long time. He played his uh stringed instrument and chanted and then we, we did this homage or homage to sorrow and uh he said oh this is good i'm with a big group that has a stomach for grief not too much not not a real appetite 
feeling feeling I'm I'm willingness to stay with getting through so we can do it. What is all for? The storehouse of wheat, barley, corn, and tears. Step up to the door on a round stone. The storehouse feeds all the birds of sorrow. I say to myself, will you have sorrow at last? Go on. Be cheerful in autumn. Be stoic. Yes. Be tranquil. Calm. And in the valley of sorrow, spread your wings. Gratitude for Zen practice and the capacity to hold and breathe through with sorrow. And this is an incredible time to be gathering together and talking, to be considering Joanna's book. You know, she, this chapter, this section, um, Food for the Mind, Body Mind, she's so beautiful how she writes about bringing body-mind together, never differentiating, co-arising of body-mind. The processes of our mind can seem more real to us than anything else. But body and mind are one. The ways of thinking help us come home again and again to the physical world, to our body and our mind together in the present moment. And the character for mindfulness, body and mind, this is two hands, body and mind together in the present moment. Body and mind together in the present moment. And this season, Claire, I'm thinking, I know you're here and I'm sure you can join us. It's been so powerful um, reading your writing about the creative collaboration of Earth's resilience and beauty in this particular season and in the spell of the year when the living world shifts between seasons and sorrow and joy dance cheek to cheek in the old way. The dead are welcomed home on these cross holy days. And just if you can join me and um, unmute and just offer us some reminder of where we are seasonally, because it's so important to remember here we are on the morning of November 5th very close to the cross holy days. So Claire, if you're here and you can do that, that would be great. And Jane will allow everything to happen. Yes. I'm not seeing Claire. Then maybe she has dematerialized into the wider world, but in a beautiful way in her writing, for those of us that stay with her and follow her, she reminds us that this is a portal in time between the autumnal equinox And the winter solstice, the exact balance point or fulcrum when sorrow and joy come together and the veil between worlds gets really thin. The dead and the living dance together. When so in a in a counterintuitive way, the ancient ones knew for their health and well-being to welcome in the ancestors to live again with one another, the dead, the those who are have crossed the great divide into the becoming the great majority, come back in this balanced time between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. And these are the days we're in right now, exactly the days that the conference in Glasgow, Scotland began, looking again, blah, 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 says Greta Turnberg. But once again, please, can we gather our heart and mind together 
and I think of you, Bing, and um, the years you were participating actively at COP in Copenhagen and, and all of the dedicated work of this extended song of beauty of your practice and, and advocacy. And this time, this balance point, this actually creative dynamic balance point between the sorrow that we're wrecking, the havoc we're wrecking, and the possibility of commonweal, working for the commonweal. So particularly vivid. And, and the COP in Glasgow began on the night of All Hallows' Eve, the cross holy day. All Hallows' Eve and in the Catholic tradition, All Hallows' Eve, All Souls' Day, All Saints' Day, or All Saints' Day, All Souls' Day. I always um, mix them up a little bit. But th this is the season when we're holding. And the poet Basha, Busan in Japan says, I go, I go to the great mystery. You stay, two autumns. I go across the great divide. You stay, two autumns. And let's feel that balance. I go, I go, I go. The ancestors are calling me, I go. Let all of my sorrow ripen. Go, and you stay. Two arms. Let's feel them both. Dancing world being renewed. Awesome days. Awesome days. And days of such grief and change. So drawing from food for the mind. And um, I, I remember how excited Joanna was, even though, the, as Stephanie described beautifully, how difficult it was to bring forth um, this gorgeous edition of World is Lover, World is Self, 30th edition, yes. Her biggest excitement was on revivifying the teachings of um, Pratika Samuppada, mutual causality, um, that had been dropped from the second edition. And although it was difficult, she brought back with fresh vigor these teachings, and they could not be more prominently important than they are right now. So, and I, I think it's so significant that the time that her thesis, mutual causality in Buddhism in general, systems theory, a big hefty title for a fierce warrior woman, mutual causality, 1991 to 1993, her thesis was completed and it's the exact same time that Arnie Kotler encouraged her, take these teachings you've been working with, give us a book. What will you call it? How about world is lover, world is self? So these two worlds coming together, her thesis, her PhD thesis, mutual causality, and her commitment to express it in a more worldly and um, demonstrative, interactive way, world as lover, world as self. And Jean covered last week beautifully, world as battlefield, world as prison, world as lover, world itself, what it means. But the second section of the book, first you find your bearings as she, as she does in the first section. And then let's have food for thought for the great mind of the world, mind and heart together in the present moment. And primary teaching from the Buddha, from the Majima Nikaya Sutta, this being, this being, this being the way it is, that becomes from the arising of this that also arises from not being that be, this 
Not being, that becomes not. And from the ceasing of this, that ceases. Two bundles of reeds, reminds Elizabeth Nyam in her tribute to Joanna Macy in A Wild Love for the World. Two bundles of reeds leaning up against each other and each bundle of reed, each gathering stands because of the mutual benefit of being supported by the other. One reed bundle falls, everyone falls. One stands up, we lean together and everything leads. It leans, as she says, in the, in the electrical majesty of contingent relationship. Electrical majesty is my addition. In contingent relationship. So these are hefty chapters, right? Food for thought. You can feel the mind crinkling and growing and being challenged as she talks about what we're looking at. And, you know, it's great to remember, as we remembered this morning, how important embodied practice is. So in Joanna, always in the beginning to look at, look at general systems theory and mutual causality reminds us, take your place, find your groundedness. And reminds us, take the two ancient mudras, this one of raising the right hand and saying, I am raising the left hand. I am not afraid. This gesture, see my naked hand. I'm not afraid to take in these teachings. Abhaya mudra, the mudra of fearlessness. Or see my hand, I come bearing no weapons. No, I am not dangerous to you. I come as a peacemaker, as a, a peacemaker and a warrior. I come to meet you. And I will not be afraid, as Trumpa Rinpoche says. Even the Bodhisattva, even the Buddha, is frightened by the Bodhisattva's fearlessness. So, taking the gesture, I'm not afraid, and then the ancient gesture of touching the earth. So, Bhumi Sparsa, Buddha putting, extending his right hand. I'm not afraid. Left hand up. I will not be afraid to keep going, lifetime after lifetime, to try to bring together awareness of mutual causality, which arose for him during meditation. The assurance that everything leans on everything else and is meant to be understood in in, uh, contingency, in emergence, in dynamic balance, in networks and cycles turning again and again. And when it all gets too grand and you clearly are not afraid, put your right hand on the ground and let the testimonial of earth come up and speak in this time when earth and sky are meeting each other, where the veil is thin. You know, iconographically, the Buddha's right hand on the earth is often um, demonstrated or drawn or made into iconography with the earth goddess coming up underneath and putting her hand underneath his hand. But to me, it's always been too binary to his, her, she, him, all of that kind of imbalance. Dynamic balance is bigger. So I love the 18th chapter of the Lotus Sutra where Buddha puts his hand on the earth because he, she is full of doubt. Am I going to be able to meet the challenges of living in dynamic contingency? Can I do it? Please let me, let my doubt be recognized and let me not be afraid to face it. So that right hand calls on the earth, give me solid reminder. And you know, 
in the 18th chapter of the of the Lotus Sutra, rather than bodhisattvas, um, rather than earth goddesses matching and marrying and uh, affirming the Buddha, the earth cracks open and awakened beings pour out of the earth to do the work. Your hand is on the earth, your warm living hand. You've sat like a, like the peaceful warrior, the blind seer, the healing, um, the medicine man of the world you've sat like this therefore the earth opens up we're coming up to help you to be in contingency with you to lean on you to do the work so the earth cracks open and bodhisattvas come up when we can see the unity of mind and body or see that the at least not you maybe unity is too too balanced too too stolid we're looking at dynamic balance between worlds and Joanna saying, in interdependence, co-arising of all phenomena, it's a central Buddhist teaching, the working of the world never separate from our lives, all existence, dynamic, self-sustaining web work of relations. This is dangerous thinking, dangerous recognition, and radical work, radical from the sense of the old roots going down into the depths, so radical work of plumbing the depths and coming up into the light. So the double, the double dance of going up into the light, but grounded in the dark. And the body of the earth made of each other, root and shoot, made of darkness and light, mixed and leaning together. And Joanna began to study the early scriptures with a particular photo focus what is the distinctive teaching of the buddha what is distinctive about this teaching and when she was in syracuse studying and deepening her heart and mind in the 19 the late 1980s and the 1990s and working on her thesis this awareness of mutual causality and the importance was so vivid with buddha's back to the bodhi tree grounded in his inquiry and own experience Anchored in the breath, breathing through as we did this morning, he beheld, or we can behold, patterns and circuits of contingency. And her exact experience of this while writing and practicing, her and while grieving for the world and all aspects of our world subsisting in a dynamic web of interdependence seeing that all living parts of a single living whole are in themselves alive and full. And no straight line, linear causality. This kind of thinking is messy, nonlinear, circular, but not tightly circular. Um, there's always room for uh, opening. There's always that possibility so that we can actually take in these teachings and perceive them in their wholeness. So I'm extremely grateful for this section and for your careful reading. I'm really interested. We'll have some time um, shortly in breakout groups to talk about what does it mean to, to take in this food for the mind and to read and study with Joanna Macy, the Wheel of Intervening, especially in these times, how have these readings influenced you? I just wanted to 
turn to the book itself. Oh, I know what it was. Yes. So for Joanna, I remember a point in her teaching, um, early teaching. We were meeting in a number decade, maybe 12, 15, 12, 12 or more years ago, change and challenge every consciously embraced passage, particularly grounded in the work of mutual, in the awareness of mutual causality, um, even in this dark time, comes with a gift from the soul to the self and to the more than human world. In these decades of great turning, our world urgently calls for the contributions of ecocentric visionaries and mature artisans with dark adjusted eyes. Quoting from the poet Theodore Rutka, in a dark time, the eye begins to see. So now we are calling on again, contributions of ecocentric bodhisattvas, visionaries and mature artists and thinkers with dark adjusted eyes that can detect the shape of a sustainable and sustaining future. So 30 years old, at least longer than that. Certainly they're older than that, but they come back to life now in this book, In Food for Thought, as we take up these teachings and turn them again. I want to close with... um, Gratitude for um, Joanna's application of mindfulness after this retreat of uh, and calling together, calling on us to with dark adjusted eyes. At the very end of a retreat that I was present for, she um, she was walking uh, in a field, and one of the people who was in the retreat was a monk. Was expressed a lot of gratitude to her for the teachings of mutual causality, for the contingency teachings, and also just for her presence and um, an offering. And he said, do, will we close with vows? And she said, Oh, I, I don't do Buddhist vows. I don't do vows. And he said, Oh, what a shame. They can really help us, especially in the times that you're encouraging us to turn toward. So she, um, there was a little bit of time left over and, I remember her saying she looked at her hand and she thought, I want to have vows that can fit in my hand and be contained in the same hand that holds up the non-fear gesture and touches the ground. So these five vows came up fresh and strong for her and she offered them to us in this retreat. I vow to myself and to each of you here to commit myself daily to the healing of our world and to the welfare of all beings. I vow to myself and each of you to live in earth more lightly and nonviolently in the food products and energy that I consume. I vow to myself and to each of you to draw courage and guidance from the living earth ancestors future beings, brothers and sisters of other species, the more than human world. I vow to myself 
and to each of you to support you in your work for the world and to ask you for help when I need it. And finally, I vow to myself and to each of you to pursue a daily spiritual practice, one that clarifies the mind, strengthens the heart, and supports me in observing this handful of vows. So um, thank you, dear ones, this morning. Our um, efforts, the heart of compassion is so vitally important. And it's also so deeply important to be able to listen to each other and to have enough time to do that. So um, I know that um, it, it seems like Dharma talks go on forever and ever, but this one is clipped exactly at nine so that we have a good 15 minutes together. Jane is going to sort us in her way. Um, and to, just to trust you to talk, to offer your experience. What has it been like to, to hear these teachings this morning and and maybe to, who knows what you'll bring up. Perhaps, how was the breathing through exercise? How, what came up for you? Um, or what does it mean to be radically present with dark adjusted eyes, the teachings of mutual causality? 